Meantime, just when you thought things in Ukraine couldn't get more grim, Moscow faced a new wave of global revulsion and accusation of war crimes today. After they pulled out of the outskirts of Kiev in a city called Bucha, it was found there were many corpses on the streets of what appeared to be civilians, and some seemingly had been killed deliberately at close range. The images of those bodies out in the open certainly led to calls for tougher sanctions against the Kremlin, and namely a cutoff of fuel imports from Russia. That really is a big move. It hasn't happened yet. The UN's top human rights official is calling for an independent and effective investigation into what happened in that Ukrainian town of Bucha. The images of civilians lying dead on the streets and in improvised graves in the town of Bucha in Ukraine are horrifying. Reports emerging from this and other areas raise serious and disturbing questions about possible war crimes, grave breaches of international humanitarian law, and serious violations of international human rights law. The UN's top human rights official there. Germany reacted today by expelling 40 Russian diplomats. U.S. President Joe Biden said Russian leader Vladimir Putin should be tried for war crimes. Here at home, the House of Commons unanimously adopted a motion today to condemn, quote, crimes against humanity and war crimes. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie is in Finland. She was condemning the Russian attacks today as abhorrent and senseless and says new Canadian sanctions are coming against Russia as a result. These are clearly war crimes. These are clearly uh, crimes against humanity. And it is important for Canada to play its role in making sure that there is accountability f- um, for these acts. And these acts cannot go unpunished. Well, for more on this, let's go to Ukraine. Joining me now is Dmitro Guerin. He's a member of the Ukrainian parliament. He's also from the city of Mariupol, which you may know has been under siege for weeks now. Dmitry Guerin, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, and hi. The most obvious question, uh, I I realize how much outrage there's been in Ukraine. There's been international condemnation of what was discovered in Bucha over the weekend. Uh, Just your thoughts on what we witnessed and and what it signifies now. What what should we do now? It's just the beginning. Our general prosecutor said today that uh, we are so shocked of uh, Bucha photos, and uh, that's just just because we haven't seen Borodyanka photos yet. We have uh, all the occupied territory, uh, like on Kyiv region, that was uh, that were deoccupied. All of them are like Bucha. Uh, we see, of course, we clearly see now, all of us, and you and us, all of us, that it's uh, war crimes and uh, it's uh, something that we can call genocide now. And I think the Canadian people who live with the uh, Ukrainians for hundreds of years already, more than a million Ukrainians in Canada, they know the stories about Holodomor, about Hunger, and about Russia who wants to just to kill all Ukrainians mm-hmm. and Ukrainian idea and Ukrainian people. Not the first time in the history. So we will have more. It will be more horrible. And uh, uh, Mariupol is uh, much worse and much bigger scale. And of course, Ukrainian society is totally shocked. People couldn't, you know, just uh, a month ago, a little bit more than a month ago, people in Ukraine mostly couldn't imagine the war, real war between Russia and uh, Ukraine. And uh, uh, like majority, I think, thought that it's a big... uh, geopolitical game 
And now uh, we are in a new reality, in the reality of Bucha, Irpeng, Gastomen, Baradyanka, Mariupol. And it's not the war anymore. And uh, it's not the mass murdering anymore, as I said, like a month ago. Uh, it's uh, already genocide now. Because we've seen, I mean, we last we spoke, we spoke about Mariupol, and already we were talking about war crimes because of the targeting of civilians. They had just targeted um, the theater where people had been sheltered. They had targeted maternity ward uh, earlier. Um, I understand they've tried to build, to at least reach, the Red Cross has tried to reach Mariupol. That still has not happened, I understand. There's still, Mariupol is still effectively cut off. The city of half a million people, or was, is still effectively cut off from uh, from any sort of any sort of aid. Yeah, there are still uh, not less than 100,000 people. Uh, and uh, uh, there is hunger, real hunger. And uh, people already uh, eat fats in Mariupol. And uh, we know what news we will hear next, like in a week. Uh, it's hard to imagine uh, this level of uh, insanity. Uh, and uh, we see they, that the hunger is uh, the idea of Russia, is their goal. So they don't want to give these green corridors. Uh, from the first day, they said they will, uh, they will open them. And uh, they are shelling, you know, they, on the first day when they said we're opening, beginning of March, we're opening green corridors, they shelled the points of uh, where people gather it to these buses. So they, the idea is to destroy the city. Uh, and uh, uh, I think the only like uh, very harsh and uh, forcing from uh, Black Sea countries, Turkey, first of all, and European countries, uh, Greece, because in Mariupol there is a Greek community. Mm -hmm. And of course, America and Canada together have to, you know, to just to force to open these corridors and to make a uh, marine mission, uh, sorry, a sea mission, not marine, sea mission, uh, like uh, ships to Berdyansk uh, uh, port, and uh, because Mariupol port is heavily mined, uh, and get people from Mariupol through this uh, Berdyansk port. I guess, Dimitri, what you're saying is that we've reached a point now where even though for those of us sitting here have watched a war evolve over 40 days now, what we've seen in Bucha to some extent changes things in Ukraine a bit. It changes the idea of what's at stake here even further. This is a fight for survival. This is a fight for survival. And uh, uh, yesterday, uh, on, uh, the state news agency in Russia, they had uh, like a program article uh, that uh, like all the Ukrainian nation, they, is Nazis. That's like white population is Nazi population. And we all, I think, understand what does this mean. And we all understand that uh, the standards, state standards for mass graves that Russia uh, approved like a month before the beginning of the war, like in January. Uh, now we understand that uh, these standards, they needed uh, them not for their soldiers, but for Ukrainians. We've seen Russian forces withdraw from the Kyiv area, which is one of the reasons, obviously, we're seeing uncovering these horrific scenes in places like Bucha, which is just a tiny suburb compared to a place like Mariupol, which is a large, <laughs> relatively large city. 
what what do you think is happening now? What happens to this fight now? Are, do you, do you, you know the East? You know Donbass. Do you think the Russians are really moving back across to try Donbass again, or or is yes, this all yes. just a start? Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happening. They're regrouping, and uh, they want uh, to uh, have uh, like to make uh, operation uh, to enforce operation uh, on the Donbass uh, and. Uh, uh, to uh, start a new fight there, enforcing uh, their position, enforcing their troops. And given what we've seen already in places like Bucha, um, the level of violence we'll, we'll potentially witness in the in the east and on the coast might might be worse than what we've already seen. Of course, we just don't see what's going on there because uh, by my my parents left Mariupol like a week ago, and uh, what I hear from them, uh, it's uh, these stories, and uh, uh, you cannot, you know, if Russian soldiers are on the street, you cannot photo; they will kill you at the same moment. Uh, and uh, what I hear from them, it's that Bucha, it's uh, easy walk compared to Mariupol, much worse in Mariupol, much bigger scale, all the city in bodies. I'm speaking with Dimitro Guerin. He's a member of the Ukrainian parliament. He is from Mariupol. His parents, I'm very happy to hear you. Last we spoke, you hadn't talked to your parents in a few days. So I'm very happy to hear that your parents are okay and they're out. Uh, after this, we'll talk a bit more about, about Mariupol itself, what's happened there, and also what the West needs to do to provide Ukraine with what it needs to defend itself. That's after this. I'm back with Dimitro Guerin. He's a member of the Ukrainian parliament. He's originally from the city of Mariupol. His parents were there until recently, having managed to get out. Uh, Dimitro, that, that's, it's great to hear what have they, that they've made it out, but what have they told you about what, what it was like in that city for the, for the several weeks that they were there while it was under bombardment? It was a day, you know, day-by-day life in very medieval conditions. They didn't have, like, Below zero temperatures, no any communications, gas, water, electricity. They used water from radiator system. Uh, uh, of course, no heating. Uh, they uh, melt snow for uh, for to, to have a water. Uh, and uh, the street fight never stopped, like weeks and weeks. And you cannot just go out uh, to the street because it's street fight, and they use tanks during the street fight. And, uh, you know, they sat, mostly they sat in, uh, in the flat because basements uh, are not, the basements of buildings, they're not enough for uh, like several hundreds of thousands of people. So they were uh, in just an usual apartment in a multi-story building. And uh, one moment they left their apartment because a uh, uh, Russian army troop make a, uh, uh, like fire, uh, used uh, apartment uh, in this building for uh, like fire point, you know, to, to, they put their machine gun and uh, uh, they left uh, this building, lived some time with friends. So it's, it's like, you know, you're trying to uh, stay alive. It's the only thing you can do and you are trying to do. And uh, you understand that the next time you uh, will need to go outside will be the last moment. And uh, one, just one, one day, one moment, the line of fire, uh, place where real fight is, li- moved a little bit. 
and they just uh, jumped in the car and uh, just went out. It, it's it's miracle. It's real miracle because it's, it, it was when, yeah, it was when it was possible. Just a moment. It's uh, I don't think it's some kind of real. Frankly speaking, I can't even believe now it's it's it really happened that they got mm-hmm. out. That they got out. Yeah, yeah, that they got out because one hundred thousand people in Mariupol they are still there. Yeah. Uh, and they cannot get out, and uh, I think it's uh, it's really. I, I, I see there is no city anymore. We all have to understand. It's it was like Manchester, half a million people city. There is no city anymore at all. No buildings, no hospitals, no universities, nothing, schools, nothing at all. Everything is bombed. Everything is ruined. It's like Grozny, like Aleppo. Right. Given what we've seen in Bucha, we can only imagine what else may be there too. No, in Mariupol, in in, in, in uh, meaning of destroying the city, no, much worse. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean. I mean, given what we've seen in Bucha, we can only imagine what other uh, what other yeah, atrocities yeah. may be there as well, along with all the destroyed buildings. And I guess for listeners to understand, your parents grew up in, in you know, parents are Russian speaking. They grew up in what had been when Mariupol was part of the Soviet Union. I mean, they, you told me, I think last time that, that, you know, they were never, they didn't see Russia as an enemy per se until, you know, the a country that would come in and do this never. to their city, to their city. No, never. They, uh, my father is a, a Soviet officer in the army officer. Uh, my mother uh, grew up uh, in Belarus, in Mariupol, in like in, in different uh, places in uh, Soviet Union. My father from is originally from Kharkiv, uh, and uh, uh, they are always they they are Russian speaking, and they were always uh, had sympathies to Russia, and uh, they refused to leave Mariupol because they couldn't believe that uh, Russian army will bomb and destroy the city. I understood it clearly. And uh, they refused to leave. They said, no, it's impossible. It's just impossible. You are just, uh, you know, stop telling this nonsense. And yes, now? and uh, now we see. Yeah. What can the... Now you've heard a lot of words today from President Biden, from Canada, from lots of places, lots of condemnation about what was discovered in Bucha. What does the West need to do that now, though, other than talk? West says about tells about recognizing of war crimes, and it's really important. Uh, and of course, we have to do it because we all see it's war crimes. Uh, but uh, you know, we have a different goal in Ukraine. We need to stop war crimes, and we now I think that all the world sees because before all Ukrainians understood it, but not all the world, and now at least. We all understand that this war will be finished, will have military solutions. Military, not diplomatic. It's not possible. Uh, when the news, state news agency published yesterday, published uh, the text, program text, that all the Ukrainian population is Nazis, we all understand what does this mean. And we all understand what the standards for mass graves means for whom are these standards that they approved before month before the uh, like in january month before the war and uh, we need uh, to stop war crimes and that means that we need to kick russian troops out of ukrainian territory 
And that means that we need tanks, we need planes, we need uh, sea rockets against uh, ships, we need uh, uh, drones and uh, uh, rockets uh, against air, I mean, uh, air defense, rocket defense. So we need weapons. Like Mr. Zelensky said to, to Mr. Biden the first day of the war, we need bullets, not a taxi. And uh, we are in the situation when everybody sees that Ukraine can beat Russia. And now is the moment where everybody has to agree that sanctions is not enough, that embargo to oil and gas and coal, it's already not the question of money or heating, it's the question of its ethical question now. And uh, But we have to stop this war, all of us have to stop this war on Ukrainian territory. We cannot give this war to spread all over the Europe, because it will. You felt last we spoke, I asked you whether you felt Ukraine was standing alone, and you said yes, and I'm wondering if you still feel that way. In some way, in some way we are alone. When we say, hey guys, uh, they are trying to, uh, they are trying to kill us all. In this moment, we're alone because nobody trusts us, and then everybody sees photos from Bucha. And uh, when we say, "Hey, we need uh, more uh, heavy weapon to kick Russian troops out from Ukraine," and uh, everybody says, "No, it will escalate situation." Sorry, where more? What escalation are we talking about? It, it's it's not even a mass murder. It's Srebrenica now. So where is the, the, the line of this escalation? Nuclear weapon? Oh, I think Russia will use nuclear weapon of Mar on Mariupol because how other, other way they will hide what they did. So Which, everybody yeah. now to understand to understand where is the line. Dimitro Guerin, as always, thank you for your time. I'm very happy to hear that your parents made it out of Mariupol safe. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. You're always welcome.